I find it hilarious though that not that not that Nick Saban like campaigned so hard for <laughs> to for his team to make the playoff because like that that's what you do in that sense, but like the people that were taking it seriously is is wild to me, man. Like they lost twice. They lost to the two best teams they played. They beat Texas by one, and you know Quinn Ewers was hurt, but you know the wins a win. I'm not going to count that against Alabama, obviously. Their other ranked win, I believe, is Mississippi State. That's it. That's it. Like, I, I don't know, man. Like, if they would have, if they would have made TCU, if if TCU would have fallen out to put Alabama in there after this, like, it'd have been like, well, good thing y'all are doing a 12 team playoff because I think they're about to have a riot on their hands. I just, and there, and it's not just, it wasn't just Alabama fans that were talking about it as like, that's, you know, we should be in the playoff. Like there are media members that were like, Oh, I don't, I don't think TCU deserves it. Like based on what, based on the fact that they went 12 and Oh, and then the only loss they had was a useless conference title game where their quarterback, you know, almost passed out several times and trying to will them back to it. Uh, it, it's like, well, TCU sucks. Big 12 doesn't play anybody. Well, okay, well, then what's the point? What's the point of anybody else playing then? And look, I know we cover the SEC, and this is an SEC, SEC team that we, we talk about out here, but, like, what, what's the point? If TCU can't get an invitation to the SEC, like, they don't matter, they don't count. No, they're not in the Big Ten either. They don't count. Sorry. Sorry, the small the small private Christian school in, in Fort Worth is never going to get a shot now. Like, you know, it's... Just give just give the four team the four team playoff just hey hey four the top four teams at recruiting y'all get it because you know why even play the games at that point it's just it would have been so dumb but there are people who know better that are making that argument I don't totally disregard the fact that Alabama did have two very close losses I would understand that logic if I were in their oh, shoes yeah. however they also had some extremely close wins. So if you're going to play the game of, well, we could have been undefeated if two plays had gone different. You also could have been eight and four. Yeah. If Bryce Young hadn't pulled some magic out when he probably should have been dead to rights against Texas late in that game. And I guess the Texas A&M game, like a and strange the worst, team. But... <laughs> if A&M doesn't call the worst red zone call ever down in the late in that game. I don't think he's wrong about this. I don't know if it matters, quite frankly. But Saban's argument about, well, would we be favored against these teams? You were favored against Tennessee! So that, Bill Connolly, and I'm sure some other people pointed this out, that argument would be pretty ironclad if Alabama had actually won every game it was favored in this season. Yes. Yes, this was the team that was supposed to, I mean, Alabama was supposed to skate to the national title game this year. That they, they had... The Heisman Trophy winner coming back. They had the most disruptive force on defense coming back. They had a lot of pieces. It's Nick Saban. And and they lost. And, like, look, yeah, they lost on a two-point conversion and a field goal. Like, yeah, that's that's tough. That that that's rough on them. But, like, those two teams aren't in the playoff. You know? Like it it ain't it ain't like they lost it ain't like they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles and the and the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, Like, no, they lost to I mean, Tennessee went out. Yeah, the injury obviously affects them, but they went out and like they let sixty three. They gave up sixty three points to South Carolina. Meanwhile, to man, be South clear, Carolina, that injury sucks for Hooker. Like I think just about oh, yeah. everyone's rooting for that guy, but that did happen late in the game. They were not going to yeah. win the game, and he wasn't playing defense. 
Yeah, he was he was not playing defense and like South Carolina. Shout out to South Carolina. You win the award for most Auburn season by a team that wasn't Auburn, like because you went eight and four and you ruined two people's seasons. You ruined. I mean, Clemson. Clemson makes the playoff probably or comes close to it if they won because like their only other loss was Notre Dame. Um, and yeah, they they ruined Tennessee's chance to make it. Let me tell you though, if Alabama would have gotten in. Whatever factors got it. If Alabama would have gotten in and Tennessee wouldn't have, you would hear about that for the rest of your life. There would not be a day that went by on 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 the internet, on Al Gore's internet, where someone was not screaming about the fact that Tennessee beat Alabama in head to head and they didn't make the playoff of the same record. You would have heard about that for the rest of your life, and so. I'm glad the committee got it right. I'm I'm surprised they got it right. I'm glad they didn't drop. T- like I don't I don't have use for rematches. Like the re- oh, when Alabama and Georgia had a rematch. You know, wasn't that a rematch? Yeah, uh, yeah. When they had it, when they had a rematch, it's like okay, championship game. You played to get there, fine. But like, I didn't want to see Ohio State, Michigan in the semifinal. Give me another. Give me another matchup. I, I'm still blanking on that. Uh, was that a rematch? I don't think it was. So it wasn't an SEC title game because Auburn played Georgia that year. No, it wasn't a rematch. The rematch was Alabama LSU in the title game, twenty eleven. The worst, the worst national title game ever. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any use for for rematches. Um, I do though. Like TCU Michigan, if Corum's out, like what is that? You know, Corum's done. He is done. Um, what does that look like? Um, you know, Max Duggan, like TCU just keeps hanging around with a lot of teams and pulling up. They've got a really good, fun thing going. And then like Georgia and Ohio State is gonna be like, all right, here's a here's a weapons caliber uh you know, grade offense against a defense that just usually crushes people. LSU, I know it was mainly garbage time. LSU threw for nine million yards on Saturday. Um, what does that look like? Like those are fun more than just saying, hey, here, Georgia, here's TCU, and then we have to see Ohio State, Michigan. As fun and as like ratings-driven as that would have been, I'm good with this. I'm good with this. I think Georgia I think Georgia, like just walks to the title uh, this year. But um, Very funny outcome that they went all those years without being able to win a national title. And unless something unusual happens, I would imagine that they are going to win back-to-back titles. Yeah, and, you know, for TCU, like, it's so stupid. And I know the Big 12 is about to expand, and they will need to play a conference title game because not a, because it won't be a true round robin anymore. But, like, the fact that they beat Kansas State and they're like, well, now you have to beat them again. It's like no one wants to play Kansas State twice. They are one of those teams where you're just like, nope, no thank you. They're going to try to hit you in the knees with sledgehammers every single play, and that's, that's all it's going to be. Um so I'm glad they didn't they didn't punish him for it and just be like, you know what, Alabama and any other team shouldn't be able to get into the playoff by not making their title game if we're going to force a team to play a completely unnecessary one, um, you know, a, a week later. USC, man, I thought they had it. I mean, I, uh, did I did I drink did I drink too much of the Kool Aid? Is this is this just what you happens didn't have to, to believe that their defense was good? I don't. You know, whatever. But I didn't think the tackling was going to look like that. And before we go any further, I do want to do a sidebar on Georgia, and we can come back to Southern Cal. Sure. The scariest thing to me about Georgia right now, (laughs) their quarterback is Stetson Bennett. And 
he probably does get too much grief about like, oh, he's just some. It's like, no, he's a good college quarterback. He's he, he, very he's, good at playing college football. He's Greg McElroy to me. Right? But eventually, maybe, Georgia maybe will. McCarran. Georgia will have a quarterback oh. that yeah. matches the rest of their roster eventually. Yeah, like you. I mean, I, I know he had, he threw two picks late on Sunday, but did you see Justin Fields' touchdown run again? Like that, it could have been that. <laughs> like it could have been that. Um, you know, they had. I see who are the other quarterbacks. They have really good quarterbacks on their roster in terms of like, um prospects uh and like yeah i mean if this sort of defensive dominance holds up and they're going to continue to get the dudes and if they're going to have 85 90 percent of their roster filled with four and five stars and they finally get the generational talent at quarterback yeah it's gonna be rough it's gonna be rough for everybody it's not impossible obviously like alabama lost twice this year but yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be real bad news um, especially if they continue to find guys like Brock Bowers and Darnell Washington to play for them. Like, it's just not fair, unfair. Um, but yeah, yeah, Southern but you, Cal, uh, oh, that, man, the like, tackling was gross. I, I, that was a game that I had wanted to wager on, and I was like, two and a half? That seems weird. Going to stay away from that. Um, and so I did because, I, you know, Brian Windhorse. Uh, why would they do that? And it's, and it's, and it's Utah. Like Utah, they did this to Oregon, and it's very similar to what Kansas State did. Like they just—they're not fun to play against. Those are dudes that are, you know, mostly, mostly not not completely, but those are mostly like non-big name recruits that just live in the weight room and try to try to just put you in the dirt, no matter if they're playing on offense or defense, every single snap. And uh, you know, Utah's got that. Utah's got that that thing about them where it's just like I don't want to. There, there seems to be like a team like that in every. Like I feel like Arkansas was kind of trending in that direction, uh, where it's just like, no, we don't want to play this team. Come on, are you kidding me? Like this, no, this this hurts. I don't want. I don't want to keep doing that. But it's it's definitely Kansas State now. It's definitely Utah. I don't know who it is in the SEC. Arkansas seems like to be the best case scenario for that. Maybe shoot, in just terms of just messing people's lives up, like we just said at the beginning, like South Carolina might be it now. Uh, but you know, Kentucky was going to have that have that uh, that trajectory at one point. It's just, yeah, I think Georgia wins, but I think I think both semifinal games could be fun. I think Ohio State, like Marvin Harrison Jr. and you know that the rest of that crew at Ohio, with especially. With the quarterback they have, like they're going to make that game fun. I think against against Georgia, TCU. It's just like, yeah, Michigan's a better football team than them, a more talented team. But like Max Duggan's, like I hope he wins the Heisman. I mean, that dude, that dude gave every ounce of his soul in that game on Saturday. Kind of a bad break for Georgia. I don't think it's ultimately going to matter. But if I were able to choose, and I was a Georgia fan, I'd rather play TCU. And or so you'd it, ra- or you'd rather play USC. If USC sure, would have just won, sure. you would have just you just hung there, yeah. So yeah, especially with uh, yeah, that tackling, I, mean, I think George is going to end up taking care of business against Ohio State. But that may have been the worst draw in, uh, under those circumstances. And it's like, okay, so the new college football playoff format that comes out, it's like, yeah, Alabama gets in at that point. Like a team, if you're if you're expanding it out to twelve, like a team like Alabama, like man, we lost two really close games. And we're this good, and like you know we're good. Like yeah, put that team in the playoff. Like that 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 makes sense. 
not in a situation where it's like, all right, we only have four, and guess what? We're just in a, We're just going to ignore f- full conferences and say, yeah, well, you had a really good season, but nobody really cares. Like that, that would have just been chaotic. I don't disagree most of the time that Alabama's better than teams, but it also doesn't guarantee you a spot to get in. Right. And and we have like, you know, there are real things if I was an Alabama fan, I'd point to the past, I'd point to whatever. Like generally speaking, if Alabama gets a second chance, things go pretty well for them. Um, they probably are better than most of the teams in the playoff. However, as you've spent a good bit of time over the last few minutes pointing out like why why bother play the games if we're going to get to the end of the season and just be like, well, you know, history would show that if Alabama gets a second chance, they'll make the most of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, I think the playoff expansion will be good for a lot of teams and like for, there will be teams like Alabama. There will be teams like say USC would have won. Say, say it would have gone chalk this weekend and Ohio state's out of the playoff. Yeah. Ohio state would have made sense there, right? Like, you know, you just plop them right in and you'd be fine. So, That'll help because there are going to be teams like this, especially with the way the format works, where you have four conference champions that get the buys. I think the playoff format now, like for if if I think I saw if if the playoff existed in the way it was supposed to, or it's going to moving forward, if it happened this year, like Utah would have been a four seed. You know, like you know Utah, it would have been it would have been the same top three. It would have been well, no, actually, it wouldn't have been the same top three. It would have been Clemson. Clemson would have been in the playoff at that point. But then, like, Utah would have been in a, like... So, there always are going to be teams, I think, where it's like, you know, we play in the toughest schedule. We play in the toughest conference. We play really difficult schedules. You know, we should get we should get some more leniency because... And I agree. I agree. But, like, it also shouldn't come at the cost of a team where it's like, we beat everybody we played or we beat almost everybody we played and we can't help it that... We're not as big as you are. We're not as in the same conference as you are. Like, there has to, yes, SEC football and then Big Ten football, like, that's the highest quality football. It's where the most talent is. It's where the most money is. Like, yeah, that is 100% true. But, like, we can't do it where it's like, okay, but it doesn't matter what you do everywhere else. Like, there's got to be room. There's got to be room for the Clemsons. There's got to be room for the TCUs. There's got to be room for that. It's the Auburn Server Podcast, the weekend edition, free edition. Hello, everyone. Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless checking in from Parts Unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello, hello. So did you, I think people identified the pretzels you were talking about in the last last episode, the dots? A couple of people reached out, and they were correct, whether online or the, good. the good the honey old mustard text ones message. of those. Oh, I, I think I don't boy. know what flavor we got. If these were the original ones or what? Yeah. Like I said, they had sort of a butter garlic. Yeah, it's deal like the going on. Apparently, my favorite chips in the world are Zaps out of Louisiana. Um, apparently, they've started doing their own little pretzel things like that too. And it's just like, oh, I got to get my hands on those at some point. Well, we're not here just to talk about pretzels. We're here to talk about uh, Auburn sports, which is what you. Uh, signed up for thank you for listening uh we this is our free podcast uh you can subscribe for more at auburnobserver.com we'll tell you more about that a little bit later it's gonna be a fun podcast 
in the second half of the show, uh, probably the majority of the show on the back the back end, uh, our friend Christian Clemente of Auburn Undercover joins us to talk the transfer portal and Auburn recruiting from football with Hugh Freeze and his new staff getting rolling and hitting the ground running and recruiting. We talked to him, get some insight on what you need to know from that perspective. If you're a subscriber to The Observer, today you will also get, uh, I'm rolling out a little bit earlier this year, the 2023 Auburn roster tracker, the scholarship chart, the breakdown. There's going to be so much movement, but with the transfer portal open up, with recruiting on its way, that's going to be our one-stop shop. There's a um, we'll, ha- we'll keep it updated uh, throughout the offseason. We'll have also a chart, an actual Google Sheet. Uh, if you're a subscriber, you'll have access to that where you can see it kind of evolve over time. So a lot of talking about that. That's going to be at the end of the podcast, our back half. But first, we need to talk about Auburn basketball because on Friday night, Painter, Auburn did what we said Auburn is going to be capable of doing from time to time this year, and that is hitting the shot and putting the ball in the basket. And my word, did they put the ball in the basket at a pretty high level against the Colgate Raiders. 93-66 the file on Friday night. Um, I wrote about it on Saturday morning. But here's here's a couple of stats to keep in mind. Most three-pointers since the South Carolina game uh, at the end of last season. 55% from the floor. Um, they were 30% higher, uh, almost 30% higher than its season-long average from uh, deep. They were 58.8% and missed some shots to get to that point. Or, I'm sorry, they were 10 of 17 at one point. They missed some shots on top of that to, to, to end it. But according to Ken Palm, this is the highest offensive rating Auburn has had in a game since they scored 116 against Ron Artest, a.k.a. Metapol World Peace's son, and Cal State Northridge back in 2019. This was an offensive clinic by Auburn. Um, they did pretty much whatever they wanted. And we had talked about it heading into the game, apparently, like, Colgate's not a defensive, like, great team at all. They had lower-than-average numbers against, you know, in, in terms of slowing down and slowing down shots. They're not very efficient. They don't block a lot of shots. They don't force a lot of turnovers. It's just not their game. Um, they hold on for dear life on defense, and then they try to outshoot you. Auburn outshot Colgate in this game, and yes, it's Colgate. Yes, there's going to be much tougher defenses. Yes, you can't expect Auburn to shoot that well from deep, you know, regularly but there's something to be said for taking a matchup and saying okay they are gonna they give up stuff from deep they give up stuff around the rim let's just go do it and and Auburn did it they they played a smooth very very efficient brand of basketball and yes they're not going to shoot like this consistently but like you you know this game had to do worlds uh, of confidence like it would just raise their confidence exponentially because this was a team that was struggling so much on offense, even against some teams that weren't to their talent level, and it's just like, nope, this one, this one we're going to get it going. I'd file that performance under things you love to see, but that are also going to be very frustrating at different points <laughs> in the season because it's like, I know it's there. I know yes. it's there. Yeah. Uh, let's 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 get to some individuals here to start with. Katie Johnson, man. We we talked about it heading into the year, and it has only become this six man role is perfect for him because when he doesn't start, but he comes off the bench, him and Allen Flanagan in tandem. I thought Allen. We'll talk about Allen in a little bit. I thought Allen played phenomenally in this game, 
But Katie Johnson, like when teams start digging into their benches, they start rotating guys in when they're not playing what's usually their best five out there. When things you know start to get work the reserves in, you put a guy like Katie Johnson, who I think is Auburn's best bet to get his own shot. I think he's when he's hot, he can get really, really hot. And this six man role, I mean, he has taken off in it. He is he had that one game where he had no points. Um He's had double-digit points in four out of his last five. The other one in that stretch, he had nine in that game. Um, he was the leading scorer, and he only played 18 minutes. Uh, he caught fire early. He was shooting just 25% from deep and couldn't miss for most of the first half. This was the Katie Johnson that, like, yeah, like, I, it's such a weapon when you're most confident and you're most, like, m- like heat him up kind of player when he gets rolling – is coming off your bench, and you're you're able to say, hey, you're not at your uh, absolute peak right now. You're getting into the game. You're in the feeling out process. Bam! Here's this dude who's going to punch you in the face with his offense, and also he's 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 a he's a wild boy on defense. Like that is that is such a weapon for them. And, and KD, like he started almost all the games they played last year, and this is a role change. He's not playing quite as many minutes, and yet he is playing much more efficient basketball. In these smaller windows, he's just he's 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 dynamite, man. He is he is just getting to be strategically placed in and just blowing people up. If we get like eighty percent of that on a more regular basis, oh, oh my man. god! Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm not saying he has to hit all those three pointers. Like if he gets closer to being like a thirty-five percent three-point shooter, you know, closer, like that that is such a weapon to have for Auburn. Um, and he just he just thrives at it. He thrives in in that role. And let me tell you, the the toughness this dude has is one thing. He got he got whacked on that play at the end of the end of the first half. It looked like the back of his head was the first thing that hit the floor, and it took him a while to get to his feet. And it looked like he was in a lot of pain. And then he comes out in the second half and hits another three and plays like his normal rotation, and. Bruce Pearl had a funny quote about it. It's like, hey, he got his bell rung, but I think his bell's normally rung, so I don't know how much of a difference you could tell there. Like, yeah, I mean, he took a really nasty fall, and he was just as impactful in the second half. He had that really good no-look assist to Dylan Cardwell. He was facilitating a lot more. Yeah, there's going to be times where he gets out of control. Yeah, there's going to be times where he goes cold shooting, but he he, he just looks a lot better. The, the, the increased explosiveness, the increased, I think, kind of composure on the floor for him. Um, it just, it, it's turned him into a real deal weapon that Auburn can put out there. Let Zepp Jasper set the tone with his defense. And Zepp hit, Zep hit a couple shots in this game and looked good on offense. Um, you know, just kind of facilitating some things. But let Zepp Jasper set the tone and then let Katie Johnson go to work and, like, Katie John, I think I'm gonna write something about this this week. Katie Johnson and Alan Flanagan together, that pairing coming off the bench instead of starting. First of all, Alan Flanagan. Well, we'll say this: Alan Flanagan starting this game in place of Jalen Williams, who tested positive for COVID. He's supposed to be back this weekend. They expect him to be back to 100% ready to go for the for the Memphis game on Saturday. So that's a good that's good news for Auburn. They go double big wing. They put Chris Moore at the four. Moore plays well. That tandem of Zepp Jasper and Chris Moore, just the defensive and rebounding start when they're on the floor that has Auburn, like the numbers speak for itself. 
Alan Flanagan and, and and Katie Johnson playing together, that is a combo that if you move them around, if you put another wing with Katie or if you put another guard with Al, it's not as effective as those two are together. And again, like I said, it, it, there's a there's a part of it that in most games it's when so many teams are getting in their reserves and they're rotating pieces in, it's like, all right, here here comes Alan Flanagan and Katie Johnson. Here comes two guys that were regular starters last year. And just because they're not stars doesn't mean they're not going to be as effective. Just an excellent game. And look, we've seen this from Alan Flanagan in the last few weeks. He looks like he's playing a lot more confidently, a lot more athletically. This is a great game for him. Led the team, um, you know, or, or didn't lead the team. Led the team early in rebounds. Jani Broom ended up getting them. Um, shot the ball really well, confidently early on. Had several assists and big defensive plays. Only one turnover. This was... I statistically, you can go back and look, this was the best Allen Flanagan game since his sophomore year. Like, this was, this was statistically pre-injury Allen Flanagan. That This is what you've gotten. And, like, it makes Auburn so, so much more dangerous when they have a guy playing with confidence and that athleticism. Because physically, he's just different. He, he, he can hold his own, I think, against pretty much everybody. And then in a game against Colgate, where outside of their point guard... Their point guard, that freshman point guard they have is really good. Outside of their point guard, physically doesn't really match up very well against the SEC guys. He's still, you know, he's that peak kind of performer. And these are the games where he just turns back and dominates. And Painter, I know you're an Allen Flanagan guy. I know, I know, I know, I know you were happy to see him. I mean, and he's been playing well recently, but this was just kind of like, okay, it felt like he was back in this one. So I guess it would just be belaboring the point to continue to talk about like my concerns about shooting because yeah. we're all sort of wondering about that. But one thing that Auburn might actually have, because if the shooting doesn't improve, it just doesn't improve. And that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm trying to make peace with that. And I'd love to be wrong. <laughs> please, please prove me wrong. I'm wrong a lot. And this would be something where it's like, well, I'll, I'll take the L on that. But with Alan. All right. Here's your super athletic, great defender. We saw flashes of it sophomore year. What do we talk about that's so important in single elimination tournaments? Like, it's usually one of two things, oftentimes paired together, but it's like experience and guard play. And you've got great guard play and you've got experience there. But we are, I think, missing a little bit. And, and I think you've talked about this some um, in, in, in different ways and, and why, why it is they might use Westry uh, as a wing instead of, you know, a primary ball handler. But putting all that aside, Alan Flanagan doing this consistently even if Auburn's shooting stays around where I think it's going to stay for the majority of the season I think it gives them it gives you a, a reason to squint and go okay maybe there's a tournament run for this team you can grind it out you can grind it out with guys like Alan Flanagan and, and guys like Katie Johnson here's the thing about this game also from Auburn they they missed their last several three-pointers they were open looks it could have been worse I mean they could have they could have put even more points on the board on them they're not shooting well from the free throw line. That's something they've got to fix. Janai Broom, 3 of 10 on non-dunks in this game. Just finishing needs to be a lot more efficient. Now, it's different competition than he was at, is playing at, at, at Moorhead State, but he's about 10 to 12% lower shooting the ball, finishing than he was at Moorhead. If he gets to the closer to those numbers, I mean, Auburn could have put 110 points on these guys. They could have just... They could have just just demolished them. Auburn's got to do a better job finishing around the rim. This team has got slashers and grinded out guys. They've got some back to the basket, big men, 
Uh, and Dylan Carwell's done a great job of finishing the opportunities he does have. I think Jalen Williams helps out there as well. Speaking of speaking of you, you mentioned Westry. Yoan Treor and, and Chance Westry both played well. That these were good games for them. The depth was on full display, and I think when those freshmen give you positive, you don't have to. They don't have to be star making games, but like when they give you positive play off the bench, this is where this team can go from good to great. They can go from great to excellent, I think, in a game like this where Jani Broom starts hitting more than half his shots when he starts finishing from the free throw line better. Like that, that is the one thing that you want to see this team pick up. So even a game at 93 points, like Bruce Pearl came out of that game pointing out, yeah, we could have done this better. We could have done this better. They didn't turn the ball over. That's not something that Colgate really pressures a lot of. Uh, But they cooled off from beyond the arc late. They didn't really necessarily shoot. Uh, they didn't finish well around the rim like they should have. They didn't shoot from the free throw line well. And so it's like there's pieces. There's so much potential in this team that has still yet to be untapped, and it's just you've got time. You've got time to do it. Additionally, that defense, holding Colgate to 66 is is nothing to sneeze at at all. Uh, Colgate Colgate puts up numbers, man. They are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the country, and they shot well from beyond the arc in this game, but Auburn – with their ability to defensive rebound and possessions that way, with their ability to take just Jani Broom had four steals in this game, and he went coast to coast on like two and almost three of them. Had blocks like they they were so disruptive. Like Colgate this season, um, Colgate scored eighty seven against Buffalo in a loss, scored eighty against Duquesne in a loss. Uh, they scored eighty against Syracuse in a win. They had scored in the 90s and the 80s pretty much every other game this year, and then Auburn just holds them down. It's their worst offensive performance of the year, their, their least amount of efficiency, effective field goal percentage and all that. They know what they're running, and they get to their spots, and this is, again, you're going to play teams like this. You may run into a team like this in the first round of the NCAA tournament where it's like, hi, we're from a small school. We run scary stuff, and we're not very athletic, but we run scary stuff, and we're going to make your life miserable if we get if we get hot. Auburn's played a couple teams like that, and they've done well against teams like that so far. So that is a really good sign to kind of build it up for Auburn. Um, that defense just continues to be to be crazy, and that's what that's what's going to carry them. But Colgate's coach, I interviewed him for you know I was I was covering the game for AP, stringing it on on Friday night. So I talked to Colgate's coach after the game, and he said, "Look, if they shoot like that with the way they rebound." And the way they and the way they defend, they're going to be one of the best teams in the country this year. So this is peak. You can't expect peak all the time. You can't expect peak all the time from any team, especially a college basketball team. But this is a this is a really really good performance against a team that is probably going to make the NCAA tournament. You look at the rest of the Patriot League. Colgate should skate, especially with that point guard man. That point guard is something like something fierce. Like he is. I would not be surprised at all. And I don't want to. I don't want to wish ill on uh, the Colgate uh, basketball team because they're very, very good. Um, but like, that's a transfer portal kid at some point. He's from Seattle, and if he puts up those kind of numbers routinely, he'll be playing major co- conference. But he will be a Wendell Green Jr. He will be a you know a, a, a Janai Broom. He will be one of those guys that you pick up like that. Uh, yeah, Braden Smith. Remember, not just because he has the same name as. Uh, former Auburn offensive line, great, but like remember that dude's name because he is—he's got a lot to him. And like that, that Colgate team beating them is is nothing to sneeze at, at all, at all. Uh, especially when you blow them out the way Auburn did. 
so yeah, Panther. The 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 shooting, like you can't expect him to shoot like that, but like there's a big gap between thirty percent and fifty five percent in terms of your deep. If you just kind of can hover around a little bit more towards the middle of that, you play defense and you rebound like that. They're going to be fine. I think it's just one thing that it show like okay, they have that in them. Like you said, I think that uh, you know, I think depending on your perspective as a fan, that may either be frustrating or uh, encouraging. Where it's like, okay, you know that Wendell Green Jr. and Katie Johnson can get hot from deep. You know that you can really, really get to your spots and and finish well and get into transition more, score in the paint, score with your depth. But yeah, it's that outside shooting. It's like don't expect them to do that routinely. But could it be the start of a turnaround? Maybe, maybe there are going to be some teams they play, you know, this season that are going to kind of play defense, kind of like Colgate does, and it's kind of collapse and 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 hope for the best. Katie Johnson, Katie Johnson, watching that guy walk off of him, like back off of him on that three point attempt, and then him hitting it. I thought that was such a kind of like a, you know, it may end up not, you know, it may end up not meaning a ton in the long run, but like Katie hitting that shot in that situation where that guy was not respecting him, and then he hit it, and then to have the game he liked that like that could be a turning point from him as a shooter. He's already been playing really, really well. This was the first game where he played really well and he started heating up from beyond the arc. And that was such a cool moment, I know, for him. Because that a guy who talks that much junk and a guy who is such a just like a like an you know, an intimidating competitor, he lives for a moment like that where it's just like not only not only did you make a mistake, I am going to embarrass you because of it for the rest of the game. Just want to see him play under control. Like that performance again, as you say, it's peak. Probably not going to get it all the time, but you get eighty percent of that on a regular basis, baby. We're cooking. Oh yeah, if if you get if you get that Katie Johnson and you get that Alan Flanagan most of the time, you're gonna be a tough team to beat. Because Wendell Green Jr. is playing really good basketball at the moment. I think Janai Broom continued to get better. You'll get to the end of a game, and you'll be like, "Well, what did Chris Moore and Zepp Jasper really do statistically?" And then you look down, and you're like, "Oh wow, their plus minus was crazy." And like, look at how many, look how, look how well Auburn played when they were on the floor. Chance Westry and Yoan Trey are both like Bruce Pearl challenged them this week. Uh, it was a point that he made on Thursday in the in the in the pregame press conference. Like, it's like, guys, freshmen, we need you to start playing. We we need to you need to be con- you know, contribute at a big level. and We need some other yeah. guys on offense to be a part of whatever this rotation is. And like I think you pointed out in the past, there may not be, outside of Wendell, maybe Janai, not sure. I know you mentioned he's, you know, figuring things out. Like those two seem like pretty steady scores for Auburn a lot of nights. Um, and it may be, you know, night by night for a lot of this offensive team or for, for this offense, but I think Allen and KD can get into that. Range. Yeah, man. If you got four guys like consistently giving you points that, and then you kind of get that fill in depending on the night yep. from, from this guy or this guy over here, we're good. We're golden. Four, four guys for Auburn scored in double figures in this game. The four you just mentioned. And then four others had at least eight and three guys with eight and another with nine. And that's, that's depth that not very many teams, very te- many teams can compete with. Auburn is, I think third in the country right now on bench minutes and they're getting it. Like it's, it's not just, it's not just guys going out there and just getting exercise. Like they, they are, they are contributing. And, uh, you can tell Yoan Treor is still trying to figure some things out. I thought in this game against Colgate, he looked a lot more confident of where he needed to be on the floor on offense and defense. I think he, I think he played smoother because of it. 
And like Chance Westry is rusty. Like Bruce said that the other other night. Like he is he is he's rusty. I think he's still trying to find a shot, but he has those moments where it's those passes and some of those some of those pull up jumpers that he can hit where it's just like that's a weapon. And if you know Wendell Green's not on the floor, or maybe if Alan Flanagan's not on the floor, you can get that kind of like this has got the, the this team's got the 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 pieces to be something special. And as we record this right now, there's not very many teams left that are undefeated um, in college basketball. Uh, let's see, that is I believe we're at 13 left, maybe 14. I think it's 13 right now. And if you look at the schedule, straight the schedule, it's like Purdue's played a tougher one, Virginia's played a tougher one. Now Houston's played a tougher one. Uh, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it. Like, not only is Auburn undefeated, and that yes, they they have not played Alabama's schedule. They have not played Kentucky's schedule. They haven't played like, but they have played a really really competitive schedule against several teams that are going to be fighting for NCAA tournament spots, and that's going to make a world of difference for them. Uh, Auburn plays Memphis on Saturday. It's finals week. Want to say a shout out. To all of you who are listening, who are Auburn students, we have a good number of you who who tune in and subscribe. Good luck this week. Um, it's always it's always a, a a really stressful and strenuous time. Maybe we can kind of give you a uh, maybe you're listening to this during a study break, or you know maybe you're got done taking an exam or something like that. Hopefully, we can give you a little a uh, little lift. But um, yeah, Auburn's ta- Auburn's going to be off, um, or I'd say not playing for you know a few days now. Uh, get some off days in the mix as well here for them. Uh, as as uh, you know, got to remember that these guys are students. Like hey, that gets lost so much. And obviously, you know, I don't want to go full. I don't want to go full Cardale Jones and say we ain't come here to play school. But like you know, we know why a lot of these guys and uh, guys and gals who are Auburn athletes are here. But um, you still got to do your job academically, and uh, Auburn takes great pride in that, uh, especially this 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 basketball program. So. Best of luck to all y'all who who are uh, going through finals this week. Nothing better than walking out of that last final. Oh, especially if it's a class you just hated. Uh, and, yeah, I'm not and, going and back there. Don't nope. have to do that again. And now I got what is Christmas break, three-ish weeks, maybe yeah, four weeks. That. It's like yeah. I don't have anything to do school-related. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling for sure. Um Auburn plays Memphis later this week. Uh, we will preview that on the premium podcast sometime later on. We might roll that out on Friday, um, depending on when we get to talk to Bruce and the gang this week, because like I said, finals are very important. All right, before we go on to uh, our interview with Christian Clemente of Auburn Undercover, talking some football, uh, football recruiting with Hugh Freeze and, and his new staff, let's take care of some business first. Number one, want you to take care of business by going to homefieldapparel.com. Look, folks, it's the time of year where uh, you want to you wanna get really good gifts for the people in your life who love Auburn, love other schools, or just love being comfortable. Uh, the most comfortable T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts you're going to find anywhere are at homefieldapparel.com. A lot of great Auburn stuff you can check out. Also, you can buy the official Auburn Observer T-shirt uh, if you go to homefield to search Auburn Observer and homefieldapparel.com, and you will pull it up. Um, they're continuing to do sales, and you know, uh, there's been some mystery boxes this week that you can be able to so keep track of that. Homefield and the, ga- the gang at Homefield's got you covered on a lot of that. Now, I mentioned, I mentioned Homefield first because I said we wanted to do some things when stuff started calming, calming down. 
Here's the first thing uh, that we're going to do. Painter, give him the spiel. What should they do to help us out with this podcast um, You know that they can do for absolutely no money down? Rate, review, subscribe. Go to your favorite podcast app. Probably Apple Podcast. Nonetheless, search us, Auburn Observer, five stars. Leave a little one or two line review. It can be longer than that, but we're, we're minimalists here. Obviously, you can do this on Spotify as well. You can leave us five stars. You can follow the show on Spotify. You just can't leave a review. So let's do it in both places because um, it's so easy. And we've got something to do. Uh, got something for you if you if you do that. Here's here's what we're gonna do. Um, talked about doing this as we got closer to Christmas, and we're gonna do it for this week. Here it is. If you give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts, so go to the Apple Podcasts app, either get an account, steal somebody's account, whatever you need to do, um, and give us a give us five stars and write a review. Um, again, like Painter said, don't have to don't have to be uh, over the top with it. Um, Painter and I, I think I think here's what we'll do, Painter. I, I just switched it up at the last moment. Here's here's what we're gonna do. Give us a five star review. Painter and I will pick our favorite from the week, okay, and then we will also pick a random one from the week. So if you if you don't feel like you're creative enough, you don't feel like you can you don't feel like you can make it make it with the funny jokes or not. You just want to put a five star review on there. You you will be entered. Uh, so we will pick our favorite one, and we'll pick a random one. Each of those winners will announce will announce them next week. We'll get a fifty dollar home field gift card, fifty dollars each. Here's what you do: go go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review. If you're creative and you're funny and you want to catch our attention, you'll have a double. Double, or not double, I don't know how probabilities work. You'll have more of a chance to win if you do that. But if you just want to give us five stars and say, hey, I'm doing this just to enter in the drawing, you can do that as well. We'll give a random one and our favorite one. We'll have a winner from each. $50 to homefieldapparel.com. So, that's going to run for this week. We'll remind you on the on the premium podcast for those of you who are subscribers. But, Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, written review, um, you gotta, you gotta write something. You gotta have it. You gotta have it in there. You just, you can't just tap the five stars, but a written review. We'll pick them next week. We'll contact the winners and we will give you a gift card to homefieldapparel.com. $50, uh, for each of the two winners. You have your orders. Go for it. Also, auburnobserver.com. Subscribe there for all of our newsletters. If you want the roster tracker, if you want the basketball newsletters, if you want all the stuff we are doing on Auburn football and men's basketball, if you want the premium podcast as well, you get twice as much of this podcast a week. Sign up there. It's $6 a month or $60 a year uh, to sign up. Here's another thing I'm going to tell you. There's a lot of you who are starting to ask about gifts, doing gift subscriptions. Uh, we have those options. You can go, you can click, I uh, usually put a link somewhere in a newsletter or you can go to auburnobserver.com slash gift and you can get give a gift subscription and here's what we're going to do if you buy a gift subscription and you can set it as well say you know you want it for the auburn fan in your life and you want to give them something on christmas morning you can set you can schedule when the subscription goes live all you need is their email address and you set the time it'll go through you can get it on christmas morning or if you're having a christmas party or later whenever here's what we're going to do 
And if you bought one here for the holiday season, you you you're you you get to be a part of this as well. If you buy a gift subscription to the Observer, what I would like you to do, email me, give me a screenshot of the receipt or something like that, or, and I can go and double you know cross reference that in the in our system. If you buy a gift subscription, a month gift subscription for a friend or family member, and you're an Auburn Observer subscriber, I will give you. We will give you a free month of the Observer on top of that. If you buy multiple gift subscriptions, you'll get multiple multiple months tacked on, right? Yearly ones, you're part of this as well. I'm not going to give you a free year on top of it, but we'll, we'll figure out what we'll do that. So if you want, uh, if you're giving gift subscriptions at this time of year, send me an email. It is uh, it is in my Twitter bio. I think you can email, you can uh, you can reply to a newsletter. You can reply to a podcast link. Just you know, literally, if you if you go to your email and you hit reply, it will get to us. It will get to one of the two of us. You can reply that way as well, or you can email me directly. Give me a proof of your gift purchase, however many you do, whatever you want to do, and you will, uh, we will tack on a free month to your Observer subscription. We've done this in the past during the charity drive. We want to do it again. It's the holiday season. It's the time to give. So give a gift subscription to the Auburn Observer you get free time added to your subscription uh, for it. So auburnobserver.com, sign up. And if you ever have any questions, feel free to email me. Feel free to reply to any, to a newsletter or a podcast in your email app of choice, and we will get it all sorted out for you. So do that. And, uh, yeah, even if you schedule ahead or later or whatever, we'll, we'll get you on board. Just want to give a gift subscription, get some, get some free time on your own subscription as well. So auburnobserver.com, sign up there. And also give your gift subscriptions. All right. We are now going to go to our interview with Auburn Undercover's very own Christian Clemente. And, like I said, we talked about the home field apparel t-shirt. This man was one of the first people to ever have an Auburn Observer t-shirt. He was part of the first ad I ever tweeted out for it. This man knows what he's talking about. And he's got good, he's got good style. So, pay attention. He's going to tell you a lot. Now joining us on the podcast, returning champion. He is the all things recruiting expert for Auburn Undercover slash uh, Auburn 247 slash whatever else you want to call it. Uh, he is uh, he is the best in the business and he's like 10 years old, which is which makes us a painter and I even more jealous. Uh, it's our good friend Christian Clemente back to talk some Auburn football recruiting because it's going to be a busy week. What's up, Christian? Uh, well, I thought I was here to talk Montana State football, actually, but <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about the cats. We'll talk. We'll talk the cats as well. But I can, you know, I can touch on some Auburn recruiting. I know a little bit about that. Just a, just a little bit. So, Christian, this is obviously um, the biggest week. Uh, I guess this weekend, heading into this week, uh, is the biggest week really Auburn uh, recruiting Auburn football has had in a while because everything kind of kicks off this weekend. You know, the dead period came to an end. Uh, you've got a new coaching staff uh, as it's being put together, going out on the recruiting trail, and additionally, the transfer portal uh, opens on Monday. Let's start with the transfer portal uh, because by the time you're listening to this, everything will really start kind of kicking off. Um, we've seen the portal and we've seen the big transfers happen these last couple of years. 
But with it being in a window this year, with it being in a in a condensed amount of time, um, how much are you expecting things to kind of change or be more chaotic or even less chaotic? Like from your perspective as a recruiting uh, guy, like how, what do you think the fact that they're actually sticking to a window and not just come and go whenever is going to do for the portal? Yeah, I think it's going to make it more chaotic. I mean, you do have that uh, window. I think it's after the spring for maybe 15 days. I know they have that shorter window after the spring, but right now is where you're really going to see all the action. I mean, you've already seen it the past like week and a half, two weeks or so with guys already announcing that they intend to enter the portal uh, today on Monday. So it's it's going to be chaos. You know, Auburn has been... The portal's not even open yet, and kids aren't even in the portal, and they're calling Auburn about opportunities. Offensive linemen specifically, I've heard of several pretty talented guys have called Auburn, uh, expressing interest in coming over to Auburn because they see a great opportunity there to play immediately. Um, And for Auburn, it's a roster that's losing a lot of guys. Your high school Mm -hmm. class isn't exactly full, not even close. You're at 11 commits as of recording this. Could be even lower by the time this comes out, depending on some other guys potentially decommitting and moving on. But you know, the portal for Auburn specifically, you could be looking at maybe like 20 guys out of the portal, which I think last year Auburn brought in 10 or somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty crazy the next month or so. Christian, last time we had you on, this was back I think right before the season started. I think it was Big Cat. You, yeah, yeah, it was Big Cat, and, and you were you were talking about how the plan was always going to be to take a big class of transfers. Like even when it was still Brian Harson and everything was kind of trending, you know, as normal, it was going to be a big transfer class. Um, you know, I guess how much more do you think that's kind of increased here over the last few weeks with the higher view freeze with potential movement elsewhere? And I guess the second little part of this question is like, how much outgoing movement do you expect to see from Auburn, uh, if you know, if you can, if you can project that, um, you know, with the guys that are, you know, that still have eligibility, because this is just once again, you know, with everything so condensed and so chaotic, like you said, like you've got to make a move if you want to make a move right now. Like you have to, you have to at least put it out there, um, you know, if you're going to do that. Yeah, in terms of outgoing, I mean, it's a little tough to tell, but you've already seen three guys that. It, you know, said that they were going to enter the portal. Um, I think Landon King actually did enter the portal because the coaching change allows you to do so. And now he's back. And Chick Dawson is back. And Xavion Capers is back. So you've already got those guys back. That leaves A.D. Diamond and Zeke Walker as two guys that are in the portal. And I think J.J. Evans as well, but I'm still not really convinced that guy exists. Um, <laughs> but in terms of outgoing, you know, you'll certainly see some movement here and there. That's just that happens with the coaching change. I think we could all look to one guy in the quarterback room, probably TJ Finley, and mm. say that we expect him to move on. Um, and you'll see some movement in some other spots. But I don't think it'll it, – it certainly won't be 19 players like it was under Brian Harson. It won't be that big, but also partially yeah. because Auburn's roster doesn't have a ton of guys left. And a lot of guys know they have a good opportunity to be able to you know step in and make an impact. Jason and I were just having breakfast the other day at Byron's, and sitting right next to us was Gardner Lanelow. Um think he'll be going into his third year in the program the offensive lineman he's like look man this is my chance this is a good opportunity fresh start a lot of guys leaving this is a great chance for me to step in and you know, try and earn a starting spot so in terms of outgoing guys I don't think it'll be massive uh, in terms of the portal class I think Brian Harson's recruiting failures have only 
kind of mm-hmm. made the transfer portal class be even bigger for Hugh Freeze and this new staff. I mean, you know, like I said, there's 11 commits, and usually you sign around 25 high schoolers. Look, if in the span of 16 days or so, if they can get 14 high schoolers committed, I'd be kind of surprised. I think they'll get a decent group here before the December 21st signing day, but I don't think they're going to be able to just load it up with high schoolers. They're going to have to hit the portal because they, A, need guys, and B, more importantly, they need guys for next year. I mean, you need, yeah. it, you know, talking with some staffers in terms of numbers, you could be looking at probably two tackles, a guard, a center, all on the offensive line. Uh, you'd be looking at maybe two defensive line transfers and maybe two edge guys, uh, potentially a quarterback, a running back, looking for a stud receiver, a tight end maybe. Um, linebacker, they might be looking for two guys there. Uh, secondary, they might look for a couple guys. So they're going to be looking at guys, looking for guys at pretty much every position, and especially yeah. along the line of scrimmage. It could be as many as like ten guys alone on the line of scrimmage. Okay, so let's let's look at the offensive line specifically. And you were mentioning, you know, that Auburn had a lot of guys go out. I found it interesting, you know, just going back through, Cam Stutz and Jaleel Irvin didn't go through senior day. I know Jason Caldwell, uh, your colleague and, and one of the best in the business, uh, was talking about, you know, it's 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 pretty much expected that both of those guys will be back next year trying to take their COVID year. Um, you have Jeremiah Wright, Tate Johnson, Avery Jernigan. You mentioned Garner Langlo, Colby Smith, EJ Harris. That's pretty much it. Uh, Clay Whedon and Braden Joyner are committed at the moment. Um, I want to ask you about Keandre Jones. In the portal, he he said in his in his announcement that Auburn isn't ruled out. Maybe Auburn could kind of go back swing swing somebody there and and pick him up uh, again with whoever you know ends up being the offensive line coach and how they how they feel about it moving forward. But we've seen this time and time again because it feels like the last couple of years we said, well, Auburn needs more offensive line. They need portal guys in the offensive line. It feels like it's just so hard to do that, though, because everybody wants portal offensive linemen. You mentioned at the very beginning when we when we first started talking about guys reaching out to Auburn. I'm not asking you to name names or anything, but reaching out to Auburn, seeing the opportunity. Is there a sense that Auburn, after multiple years of not being able to pull it off with transfers on the offensive line, is there a real sense that they can get multiple guys? Because like, they need tackles in a big way. They don't have any. They hardly have any uh, coming back this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's been an issue. You thought last year uh, in the offseason, you know, okay, this is, you know, Harson's established. This is finally your chance to go out and get some guys. And then they failed to get anybody. There wasn't a huge group out there, um, but they failed to get anybody. And they have to convince Austin Troxel and Nick Brahms and all those guys to come back for another year. Um, and, you know, there's kind of a misconception out there that, oh, well, those guys came back, so nobody wanted to transfer. No, no nobody transferred in, so they got those guys to come back. It was kind of more so in that order. But this year, there's no one to come back. Um, And people across the country realize that. I'm not, like you said, I'm not going to do names, but I can tell you a a four-star and a five-star have reached out to Auburn and expressed interest um, in terms of transferring in. Both of those would be offensive tackles. Um, So there's there's talented guys out there. Um, Look, Auburn is, you've kind of been able to say it. You could go look at Alabama's bench, look at Georgia's bench, and just kind of raid the bench, and it would be better than Auburn's offensive line has been. Right. Um, and there's a lot of talented guys out there that know that and know that Auburn doesn't have anybody for next year. Um, so there's definitely significant interest. It'll be interesting to see 
if Hugh Freeze and if his new offensive line coach, that it looks like it'll end up being Thornton uh, coming over from Ole Miss. The, the, yeah, the Ole Miss offensive line yeah. coach that's been reported on Sunday, yeah. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do. But there's look, there's interest. Guys have interest um, in Auburn, mm-hmm. and the portal hasn't even opened up yet. And Auburn hasn't, you know, it's, it's an interesting time. But there's a lot of guys that have interest in potentially playing offensive line at Auburn because they know they can step in and play right away. Yeah, I mean, there's not a chance that, you know, even some, I mean, like I said, you could bring back Stutz, you could bring back Urban, you could, you know, pull Jones back in. Even still, there's still so many opportunities because, like, all three of those guys we just mentioned are interior dudes. Like, the, the tackle situation, I think Colby Smith is the only guy who's even made it too deep at Auburn at any point, you know, at, at tackle, and we haven't seen him yet. Um, so offensive line obviously was the big red flag. We've we've said it. There's been just this this alarm bells have been going off on the offensive line for years and years now, and it's like really coming home this year in this cycle. I want to ask about edge rusher as well, and and keeping in mind that like it depends on who the defensive coordinator is and what kind of system they run. Because like Auburn had had you know they had made the switch to like you're a defensive lineman or you're an edge guy. Where in the past it kind of been it was a lot more versatility in the Kevin Steele system. Um, you know, the the Liberty defensive line coach that they've picked off um, and brought over here. Like, he, Liberty ran a very, like, similar scheme to the old Kevin Steele scheme where it was like you'd have three defensive linemen, one stand-up edge rusher, two linebackers in the box. So, like, things can kind of change. But as it stands right now, the only edge rushers you've got coming back next year, scholarship-wise, are Dylan Brooks and Joko Willis. I, I think Joko barely played on defense this year, but no Derek Hall. Eku Liotta's already, um, you know, joined, uh, you know, signed up for the for the Senior Bowl, and I think Derek has as well. Marcus Bragg is out of eligibility. Um, you do have two commitments, and I guess I want to ask you about those guys as well, and Ashley Williams and Brenton Williams, but, like, edge rusher. This has got to be another position group, like, past offensive line, that's the one. Like you have interior dudes, but dudes that actually can you know pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. No matter what system you run, that still has to be kind of like the next highest priority, right? Yeah, that's definitely number two. Um, and in terms of commitments, you know, as of recording this right now, Ashley Williams is committed. I don't think that's going to end up sticking. So that would leave you with Brenton Williams, uh, the local edge rusher out of uh, Opelika. I do think Wilkie Denod, at least when he first gets on campus, the four-star defensive lineman. Yeah, I think he can start at edge. He's He still needs to grow into his body a little bit, which kind of would allow him to start at edge. Um, and When you just need warm bodies there, that's probably a spot that he'll end up being at. Um, but you know, Auburn's going to have to bring in the number we had heard was probably two guys out of the portal, at least. Um, mm-hmm. Guys that are experienced because you just don't have guys that come off the edge right now. You have Big guys inside, you know, you picked up Darren Reed. Uh, you flipped him from LSU, which was really impressive. Um, but he's not a guy that's really going to be able to play edge much. So no. um, you're going to need to bring in at least a couple of more high school guys. Ideally, you'd like to go out and get five-star edge, Quay Rusa. That's kind of been the, the guy mm-hmm. that they've been after the whole time. Whether or not they can pull that off or not remains to be seen. I know Auburn's going to try everything they can to do it. But if you can't get him, you're going to have to pivot and still get probably one or two more high schooler guys, especially if you do end up losing Ashley Williams like we expect, um, and then get some guys out of the portal as well because you just you don't have guys that are quick enough to play off uh, off the edge right now. 
Brent Williams committed not too long ago. They flipped uh, Darren Reed, as you said, from LSU. Um, in your professional uh, expert recruiting opinion, how in the world did they do that without a head coach in place? <laughs> like, I, like that. That's always been one of those because it happens from time to time. You'll see interim staffs be able to pick it up, but no one knew who the head coach was going to be for sure when those guys made their decisions. And it looks like you know Auburn's. You know, when you take a commitment this late, you would probably expect them to come on no matter who who it is. We know who the head coach is now, but like, how did Cadillac Williams, this interim staff, make up this ground in recruiting? Because not only did they you know get those guys, but there is that sense inside the program, and you know I don't cover recruiting nearly as much as you do, but there is a sense that like they can still go on a little run here when it comes to high school guys. You know, down the stretch, maybe not well, go wild with it, but like they're still in the hunt for for a good number of guys. How? How did they do that? Yeah, well, I think it goes back to the thing that we always say and that Auburn sells itself in recruiting. Um, and you just have to look at those game environments that it was like under Cadillac Williams at home and how the team rallied and how the fans rallied and everybody got behind them. Um, and that speaks to not only those commitments, but Auburn's ability to potentially have success here at the end. I think it is very realistic, despite how far behind Auburn is in recruiting, to finish pretty well. And a lot of that is just because these kids really, really like Auburn. This is a class of very talented local kids in Alabama and in Georgia that have been able to come to campus a lot because it's such close proximity and they like Auburn a lot. Now the previous staff couldn't close on them. And so now it's time to see if the new staff, it'll be really tough because you just don't have a lot of time, but but there's an opportunity there. Guys like five-star Alabama commit Tony Mitchell. He came to campus Mm -hmm. four different times for games this year. Um, he might be back for a second official visit. Guys like the Langston Hughes crew, Jelani Tank Thurman, the four-star Ohio State tight end commit. He visited six times this year for games. I mean, you you have to pay some attention to that. Like, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, and you, even Darren Reed, let's, let's talk about him for a second. He visited, I think, five times for games this year. He committed to LSU on July 4th, um, fresh off. Like, I think one of his last official visits was one to Auburn. He's like, yeah, they, they were just too late. And... He kept coming back and kept coming back. And I think him being drawn to Auburn, um, I think on to victory deserves a little bit of credit there as well. I think they were able to rally a pretty good NIL support there, but look, these kids like Auburn, they like Auburn a lot. And the advantage that Hugh freeze has now is he can bring every single one of them back to campus for another official visit. Um, I think the number I had calculated was 52 official visitors already and all 52 of them can come back. So, and it doesn't count against the kids and it doesn't count against the because school. of the coaching change. Yes, because of the coaching change. Interesting. Now that, that's something I, I wasn't aware of. Um, yeah, you got to think that's got to be a huge weapon here over the next you know couple of months for Auburn. One of the guys, uh, real quick, we didn't mention. Um, they got a quarterback during all this as well. Um, and I was at Keon Jenkins. Keywan. Keywan. Okay, that's an awesome name. Uh, Keywan Jenkins committed as well. Um, three star. Three star quarterback. Uh, quarterback obviously is going to be very interesting. You know, Robbie Ashford had his moments and his passing game just didn't come together. He was hurt this year as well, which definitely played some part into that. There's potential there. You mentioned TJ Finley. It seems to be like the general consensus from a lot of people is that Finley will probably transfer. Zach Calzada is still kind of one of those. You're just like, I I don't know because he didn't play this year at all. Um, You still have Holden Garner on, on, on the roster now. Like, Quarterback, you could see with as many quarterbacks 
that they that are moving in the portal, I guess, you could see Auburn going after one for sure, I think. I mean, heck, they've done that the last few cycles already. Um, but tell me about this this recent quarterback commitment and kind of like where does he stand right now? Because he, he was one of those who committed before a head coach was named. And uh, to me, I mean, rankings aren't be-all and all, but to me he looks like a guy that has potential, might be a little more of a project, which Auburn usually takes one of those every now and then. Yeah, I mean – you just kind of hit the nail on the head there. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Kiwan because you know, he visited, he got, he was offered a preferred walk on spot previously. Um, and then he got offered a scholarship from the interim staff mm-hmm. and he was going to commit. And then he was like, no, nah, I'm going to hold off and wait to see who the new coach is. Um, and then he thought about it more and he's like, well, you know, if I commit now, maybe there's a better chance he'll honor my commitment instead of right. taking my commitment. But I, you know, I just, I don't know yet whether or not mm-hmm. Auburn will honor that uh, commitment. You know, luckily for him, I talked to him and Florida International, where he was previously committed to, is still interested in him if things didn't work out with Auburn. So it's not like he's totally sure. screwed, but I, I just don't know if Auburn will end up keeping him. That'll, that might be indicative in terms of where they want to go with the portal. Um, because realistically, you bring back Robbie Ashford. Uh, it sounds like Zach Calzada will stick. Uh, Holden Gurner, and then you would have Kewan Jenkins. So that would be four scholarship guys. You'd feel yep. probably pretty good about that. But if you decide not to take um, Jenkins, you would probably be looking at a guy out of the portal. Even if you do take Jenkins, I wouldn't be surprised for them yeah. to go to the portal. Now, I don't think Auburn's going to get in a bidding war for a quarterback in the portal. You know, like Drake May has been a name that's popped up, and people are like, oh, maybe he'll enter the portal. And you know, with his offensive coordinator being linked to Auburn's offensive coordinator right. job, potentially they're like, yep. this would be great. I don't think Auburn's going to get in a bidding war to go get a stud quarterback. I think it would be more realistic for Auburn to go out and just kind of get you know, just a backup guy who could maybe contribute, almost like a Robbie Ashford again. Um, Somebody who could compete at least. Yeah, exactly. I think that would be more realistic than going out and getting just a stud quarterback out of the portal. So you probably aren't going to hear like another like Caleb Williams pursuit like we had last year. That that was that was the big that was the big noisemaker last season. And obviously Caleb Williams ended up doing the thing everybody thought he was going to do and, and go to USC. But yeah, it'll be interesting just because I do think there is going to be a push as soon as a big name quarterback goes into the portal. Everybody's going to be like Auburn, Auburn, look, 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 and it's just like, yeah, it, I'm interested to see what they. It sounds like at least from on the record statements that. Hugh Freeze is interested in Robbie Ashford, and obviously that that's a fit for his scheme. Um, Calzada would be interesting, and Garner, I guess, uh, obviously by by extension, would be interesting as well. All right, you, you mentioned it. We have a, a eleven commitments looking at them right here for Auburn, um, and I'm 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 looking at I'm looking at the list, and there, you know, there there are obviously some guys that are big names that stick out to you. Um, for anybody who's kind of kind of glancing at it, I I want I want to give put you on a spot here. Give me one like big name dude or like the guy who's like this this is the winner. This is the stud of the class. This is the guy that everybody's going to be talking about. And then maybe one maybe under the radar guy like a three star guy that you know may not have all the rankings love, but you in particular say hey this guy this guy's got it. Like what, who 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 sticks out to you in that in that area? Yeah, I think I mean I'm going to cheat a little bit. It's just it's going to be the highest ranked guy for me. It's got to be Jeremiah Cobb. Um, it's got to be. Yeah, yeah. In terms of, I think Darren Reed makes a good case there as well. But for me, it's Jeremiah Cobb. I've seen him play uh, several times this year. He has elite speed. Um, he's got 
pretty good running back skills already as well, running between and outside the tackles. Um, and, you know, if Tank Bigsby is gone, he'll have an opportunity to step in and play right away um, with you know, Jarquez Hunter, Damari Alston, Jeremiah Cobb, and maybe a transfer there as well. But I think Jeremiah Cobb is just an elite pickup. That was a great pickup by Cadillac Williams. Because, um, mm. I mean, that was that was during the dog days of Auburn recruiting. Uh, that oh, that yeah. was in July where all of the momentum of June had pretty well just died off and Clemson wanted him, Tennessee wanted him and Cadillac Williams buckled up, got him. Um, Georgia has made a push here recently, but I don't think Georgia is going to be able to pull it off. So that's going to be the impressive pickup in terms of the guys committed right now. That might be, might be a little bit under the radar. Um, you know, I like Ashley Williams, but like I said, I don't think he's going to end up sticking with his commitment. So I'm going to look at JC Hart. Um, and that is not a kid that, I think we'll contribute right away outside of maybe special teams. I think it'll take him some time. You know, he's coming from low Chapoca, one, a football. It's going to take, take some time, but he's got four, three, seven, 40 yard dash time. He's got elite speed. He's very wiry kind of has that kind of build as a bigger cornerback. That's he'll need to put some muscle on, but I like the frame that he has. I like the kind of size and the speed that he has. I like his qualities there at cornerback. It'll just be interesting to see, you know, He'll have to get coached up and kind of learn a lot of stuff. But maybe maybe like three years down the line, you're looking at another Roger McCreary or Nehemiah Pritchett. Obviously, oh, yeah. obviously different builds, but you know he's a local three-star kid that Auburn feels pretty good about. And, and, I, and I, I said it when he committed, and I, I covered a few games that J.C. played in this year. I, there's something also to be said, I think, of a kid that just dream school right down the road. He always wanted to play. Like that, Those are the type of dudes that are going to work insanely hard to get to their spot. Like You don't want to build a team and compete for an SEC title out of three-star local kids. Like you, that's, that's not when you're going up against Alabama and Georgia and, and, and those teams. You don't want to do that long-term. But like like, like you said, like Auburn's got in-state guys that look pretty, pretty good at a defensive back that they've been able to generate like that. And I think Hart, Hart checks, that, checks out as well. Yeah, it's like you need Chris- those guys for like special teams and stuff like that. Guys that oh, are gonna yeah. play really hard. Christian, from a from a recruiting perspective, strictly from strictly from a recruiting perspective, how big of a deal was it that Hugh Freeze, as Painter and I talked about last time, there was a podcast uh, we, had, we were on podcast, like made the easiest wide open layup in the history of coaching decisions and retaining Cadillac Williams, like ha- like from a recruiting perspective. How big of an impact does it have? Because this is a dude who, as an interim, helped Auburn get some guys, get some momentum, reshift the vibes, and then also, I mean, he's just at recruiting running back. He is on a heater right now. Yes, uh, this absolutely had to happen. I think everybody knew that, not only from a coaching perspective, but definitely from a recruiting perspective. I mean, not only did he keep Auburn in it with its top targets as the interim. He elevated Auburn with a lot of its top targets in the interim, which speaks highly of him and speaks poorly of the previous staff. But, I mean, he is, he's always been a pretty good, pretty solid running back recruiter. When he became head coach, you saw him break out of his shell. And I think that's mm-hmm. going to be even yeah. better in recruiting because he could always you know, go visit the kids, win the kid and their family over. And he could do that, and he would be good at it. But he was in his shell. He was quiet a little bit. But, you know, he was good. Now he's he's broken out of that shell. He's a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more personable. Not that he wasn't before, but he's just, he's, he's different now in a really good way. I think for Auburn and recruiting. And when you pair him with Hugh freeze conducting in-home visits, I think that's a fantastic combo. Um, and 
you know, talking with different people, it kind of sounds like that's going to be the plan that those two are going to you know, do most of the stuff together, at least leading into December and February signing day that, you know, he freezes, obviously the head coach, but Cadillac will go there with him. And those two together will kind of conduct their in-home visits all together, which I think is a really good thing because he's, he's well, he's respected very well in the Alabama, the Florida area. Um, so he's got ties in the Southeast and then obviously his connection to Auburn really, really is where he's able to make his money in recruiting. What's the sense that you get, or, I mean, it's early. He's, he's only been the head coach for a week now. What's the sense that you get from recruits, from people inside the program, from people who know recruiting, like what's the sense that you get that in terms of recruiting, what might be different, what might be upgraded from Brian Harson moving on to Hugh Freeze, a guy who obviously was excellent with all the circumstances that, that went with it with the NCAA at recruiting at Ole Miss. But, you know, it, it's been a few years since he has been recruiting this caliber of athlete in this in this area. What's kind of the sense you've been getting about Hugh Freeze as a recruiter for Auburn early on and just kind of what the potential is there? Yeah, well, like I've said to kind of everybody is there's no way it could get worse. There's literally <laughs> no way Auburn recruiting could get worse because the previous yeah. mentality was more so the best players should come to us. They should want to come play for us. We don't know. We don't need to go out there and do the work because they should want to play for us. And if they don't want to play for us, you know, that's, that's their problem. But that's, that's not going to be the case under Hugh Freeze and really under pretty much any other head coach, but definitely under Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is a really active recruiter. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the staff shakes out. You know, right now we're hearing a lot of buzz about Travis Williams potentially as the defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. which would be pretty electric in terms of recruiting. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the staff will dictate a good part of it. But at the top, everything we've heard about Hugh Freeze as a recruiter has been really good. I was told he was tireless, relentless, a guy that's going to, I mean, he even said it, a guy that's going to go in and be able to win in the living room. Um, I think that's where he really makes his money in recruiting. So I think it'll be good. Um, The first kind of recruiting really started, at least for Hugh Freeze, on Thursday night. Um, And after starting to put together his staff, starting to evaluate the roster, evaluate the recruiting board, that's when calls first started going out to recruits so he could start to build those connections. Um, He talked with Keldrick Falk. The Highland home, four-star defensive lineman committed to Florida State. Talked to yep. some other guys as well. They went out on the road on Friday. Um, Hugh Freeze started off the day with uh, defensive line coach Jeremy Garrett, Zach Etheridge, and Christian Robinson. They went to Madhouse Training, which is a notorious training spot in Montgomery. All the best guys in the Montgomery area go through there. Yep. And right now that's home is- to... Go ahead. Yeah, quite 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 Russell. I mean, but I, I think like I I remember back when like they were recruiting Marlon Davidson. That was a key to get to landing him. Like that, if you're if you're anybody out of the Montgomery area, they they you, you're probably training there at some point. Yeah, yeah. So they have the two five stars there right now, um, and you know they weren't there, so that didn't count as their in home visit. Um, this was just Hugh Freeze's opportunity to build a connection with those trainers and those guys. Smart. Yeah. Um, and then the assistant coaches who are allowed to conduct visits with recruits once a week leading up to signing day, those guys went over to see Quay, went over to see James um, and talked with them. And, you know, Hugh Freeze's in-home will come much closer to signing day. Um, but so they started off with that. The assistants went over and talked with uh, Keldrick Falk as well, visited him. And then Auburn had some in-home visits with Jeremiah Cobb, uh, Braden Joyner, and J.C. Hart the three Auburn commits. And that was Hugh freeze. That was Hugh freeze and Cadillac Williams conducting those in-home visits, checking in on the commits, making sure they're good. And all indications seem to be that those three are good, but 
just in terms of wrapping back to the main question, recruiting overall, I think, I think it's going to be a big difference. I honestly do. Um, I, it couldn't have gotten worse, but I think it did get significantly better in terms of recruiting at the top. That was the biggest failure under the previous staff. I think Auburn honestly had a pretty good staff. Brian Harson had a pretty good staff in terms of recruiters, but the coordinators and the head coach didn't do their job at the top. And so because of that, it failed. I don't think Hugh Freeze and whoever he brings in an offensive and defensive coordinator will fail to do their job there. And I think just like the, the personality difference in, in the in-home visits, I just, it's just going to kind of feel, I think night and day for sure. All right. So we've talked transfers. We've talked some about this 2023 class. You know, I don't want you to make any predictions or any bets here on it, but if, if Auburn were to, if Auburn was to like make a big splash or two here between now and the early signing period, maybe, maybe all the way going up to February and some big name guys that would kind of make, you know, people sit up high school guys. And you're like, Oh wow, that's, that's a big name. We, t- we taught Ro- uh, Russell, you mentioned Keldrick Falk, uh, the Florida state commit as well. Who are some names and you can just kind of throw them out there. However you want, like some big name guys that you, you feel like right now, like, yeah, Auburn still legitimately has a shot at them. Yeah. Uh, saw James Smith, two, five stars. That's an in-state battle, Auburn, Alabama. Um, is Auburn going to be able to pull it off? They've been to Auburn more than they've been to Alabama, so there's there's some interest there. Um, and and the word was and the word was NIL was going to play a big part yes, in that, right? NIL is yeah. going to be pretty big there. Um, and Auburn's ramped it up. Yes, as of right now, they don't plan to take a second official visit to Auburn. They've been here a bunch, and kind of the sense is that they don't want to be here. You know, official visits are three days. Not want that was a bad word choice there. They don't need to be here three days. They're gonna right, they're right. gonna come over. They're gonna spend a full day with Hugh Freeze and his staff. You know, official visits they don't spend the whole time with Freeze and his staff. There's gonna be one day where it's just dedicated for Quayru saw James Smith, the Madhouse guys, come over, talk with Hugh Freeze, talk with the defensive staff, get to know them. That's that's as good as an official visit is. It's fine. Um, so those guys, mm. uh, Tony Mitchell, if you can flip a five star from Alabama, who yep. is he's definitely flirted with Auburn a decent amount. Um, I think that would be an interesting one, and Zach Etheridge has put in a lot of work there. So we'll see. Auburn got an Alabama flip last year for the first time in a long time, and you know, mm-hmm. they're trying to do it again. Uh, some other guys that I would look at would be the, the Langston Hughes crew, uh, four-star offensive tackle, Georgia offensive tackle commit Bo Hughley. He's flirted with Auburn a lot. He's been very a close lot. to flipping several times, um, and he's not planning to sign until February. So Auburn actually has a little bit of extra time there, which – should benefit them. And then you'd look at uh, Jelani Thurman as well. I'll bring him up again. Uh, he's, he's been to Auburn six times this fall. NIL is a huge part there. Uh, that was kind of a big part of Ohio State landing his commitment. So that'd be interesting. And another Ohio State guy in the Georgia area would be Kayan Lee, who just officially visited this weekend. Um, Auburn wanted to use most of its official visits uh, once the staff was fully in place, but Kayan was only able to come this weekend. So they said, yeah, come on down, you know, We'd love to have you, and he still got to spend time with Hugh Freeze and talk with him. And he, he even said it, Auburn's right up there at the top right now with Ohio State. So that would be a wow. quick collection of names. I would look at Reuben Bain as well, um, but the mm. problem is he was he and his family were really closely tied to Rock Bell and Tony, um, so Auburn's chances there took pretty significant hit in my mind um, when Rock was let go. So Yeah, yeah. That, that You said it earlier. Auburn had really good recruiters and I think really good guys in their position coaches just, you know, and I think rock was a, was a really good example of that. Just 
the coordinator and head coach push. It just didn't seem like a top down kind of message about recruiting. And and we've heard, I mean, we've heard stuff also from like guys wanting to put like position coaches wanting to push after certain guys or want to take commitments from certain guys and, you know, getting the, getting it nixed at the, at the top level. I, it just seems like everything should at least be more streamlined in this in this new era, and I, I don't know if you're going to have. I mean, it's you heard a lot about just some. I mean, you obviously know more than I do, but like, there just seemed to be like way too many like clashes of like opinions and 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 uh, strategies when it came to the last staff when it came to recruiting from like I said from top down level. Yeah, I mean that was it happened like every time it felt like a staffer would like a guy, and then you, you know it's it's not necessarily uncommon for. Uh, an offensive line staffer, let's just say, and the uh, the head coach to not necessarily like him, but it just felt like it was every guy they had totally different reads on. It felt like there was a complete just lack of communication in the building between you know, even just guys that were visiting, and they would have one guy would say he's visiting, one guy would say he's not visiting, and the, it, it just it felt like a disaster. I mean, Nathan and I did a video a little bit after uh, Harson was fired, and Nathan called it recruiting horror stories because that's that's how you could sum it up it was just it was just a disaster so i think Hugh Freeze will have a lot more alignment there in the building in terms of recruiting and guys that they want to go after and it's it's not going to look like the way it was beforehand and i think you might start seeing some of that impact this week with with like you said with the transfer portal starting to get going um Painter, do you have any questions for Christian about uh, about the recruiting angle? He's throwing his hands up. Uh, he's he, he's giving us a screen flag. All right, so before we go, got two more questions. Number one, Christian, if people want to follow all the stuff that you've got going on with your recruiting coverage, with your transfer portal coverage, you're going to want to be on top of it. Like I say, folks, we don't give you the recruiting scoop. We tell you to go to the other folks to give you the recruiting scoop. And Christian is one of the best in the business already, and you know Jason Caldwell as well over over there at your site. Let them know all about it. Yeah, so it's all over at auburnundercover.com, uh, auburn247.com as well. You know we've got uh, 16 days until signing day when you're listening to this on Monday. So it, it's going to be crazy. Like I said, there's 52 guys that have already officially visited. All of those guys can come back. Uh, Kay and Lee took up one official visit, so they still have 23 other guys that can come in, transfer portal guys or high school guys. So you're looking at 75 kids that could be taking official visits in the next two weeks. Uh, Not all 75 are going to be taking, you know, not all 52 are going to return. They're not going to use all 23, but still the number is there where there's going to be a ton of recruiting coverage going into signing day. I think there really is a good chance for, uh, for a crazy finish here in recruiting. I don't know. We'll see, but we'll have it all covered at auburnundercover.com. Second question and final question. Uh, the Montana State Bobcats <laughs> are in the quarterfinals of the FCS uh, playoffs. Um, it's, it's been a pretty fun little FCS uh, series. Uh, I mean, how, how are we feeling about the Cats? Got William and Mary coming up this week. I think it's a Friday night game. You know, how, how, how are we feeling? How are we feeling about – how are you feeling about the boys from Montana State? You know, I would be feeling better if William and Mary didn't just put up like 50-something on whoever <laughs> yeah. they played uh, this weekend. Yeah. I was looking at uh, looking around a little bit once it looked like the Cats had fully clinched it, and I was like, oh boy, okay, that's going to be an interesting one. But, you know, it's tough to play in Bobcat Stadium. I think Weaver State learned that a little bit. It's, I mean, it was icy. Like, players were just slipping everywhere, um, and... Montana State has one of the best rushing attacks. It honestly looks similar to Auburn's rushing attack under Will Friend. Um, 
they use two different quarterbacks, mm-hmm. um, run the ball a ton. Um, it'll be fun. I'm hoping they can get to the title game again because I'd love to go back to Frisco and hopefully have a different result this year. But yeah, it's been a fun year. And uh, a team that uh, a team that Montana State's run into a decent bit in their in their run in their you know really good seasons recently is North Dakota State. They play Sanford for a little bit more of a local tie. Um, I think I think it would make everybody's lives easier if Sanford knocked out North Dakota State this year. Like even though they're not the one seed, South Dakota State is. It's like every year North Dakota State they they get into this point and you look up and you're like, are they just gonna just yep. steamroll everybody? So hopefully hopefully the in state guys will help you out a little bit there. That would be really nice. Uh, played them last year in the title game. Uh, of course, Tommy Malott, our starting quarterback, gets hurt on the first drive, and uh, that was that. Uh, North Dakota State is very much your Alabama of the FCS, where everything has to go right to beat them, and things quickly took a downturn. So I am praying Samford can pull off a miracle. Um, if not, maybe we'll see him in the title game. Oh, I, I lied. One more question. Um, you've got because we we talked about this at the beginning of the of the of the podcast playoff set. Uh, we've got you know Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Michigan. Quick, quick picks. What are you thinking? What are you thinking Georgia or are you gonna are you gonna go against the grain? No, definitely Georgia. Uh, I think Georgia's looked vulnerable, but uh, Ohio State has looked pretty terrible. So I don't know if they're going to be able to compete with them. Uh, with all due respect to our boy Jake Weiss, I do not think the Horned Frogs are going to be able to even remotely keep up with Michigan. Maybe for a half, but they'll probably trail off. And I don't think Michigan is, especially without Blake Corum, I don't think they could compete with Georgia. Yeah, it seems like you know. All year it was like, okay, what is Georgia going to drop off? You know, they lost so much, they lost so much. And it's just like we talked about the transfer portal. We talked about how big it is for like pretty much every program. Georgia's like, yeah, we don't, we don't do any of that. Like as we were recording this, they just picked up another five star. I just, I literally just saw that while we were talking. So it's like, yeah, that's that's the machine you've got to go up against now, even more so I think uh, than Alabama. All right, Christian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, for giving us all your information about uh, the the uh, transfer portal and Auburn's 2023 recruiting class. Uh, Painter and I will be back uh, next. You know, later this week we will talk Auburn Memphis. We'll talk some more transfer portal recruiting staff changes for football. Uh, that'll be on our premium podcast episode later this week. So check it out there. Painter, do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's, he's he's giving us he's giving us a thumbs up again. Man, he's he's on fire. Jumping that paddle wheel bumping back wall.